This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. I don't know what else to call it. It's what it is. It's what it should be, huh? Only suitable for yours truly. Melvin Law uh, is our studio, really, in so many ways. He sponsors us and great uh, supporter of the Ward Scott Files. Melvin Law, with 50 years of experience, as I've been saying, is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. They won't back down. And, of course, we're uh, protected by crime prevention, uh, cpss.net, 24-7, 365, as so many of you are. Check out our website. Uh, for the mugshots, a lot of people do. We also have a link to Crime Stopper there, uh, which takes you over to how to actually uh, report a crime and perhaps get a reward. I'm on the um, board of Crime Stoppers, and that's what we do. Uh, we had 54 tips last month, for example, and they are people who are concerned about getting bad guys apprehended. And I got to tell you a sad truth that. Um, once they're apprehended, they seem to get right back out. Often, we are apprehending the same dude uh, repeatedly. And the rap sheet gets longer and longer, and nothing changes. I mean, I got to tell you what it is. I mean, it's felony after felony, adjudication, whatever. The system uh, spits them back out. Often, they've done something with a gun, uh, and they're continuing to do something with a gun. Uh, the law really doesn't matter to them. Lots of times, they have become professional escape artists, if you will, knowing how to run away from the law. The latest thing I learned is the dirt bike gang. There is a gang that rides around on stolen dirt bikes that is almost impossible to apprehend by uh, police in automobiles. Automobiles have four wheels and can't go through the woods and over the mountain and grandmother's house we go. We we uh, can't do that in the four wheels. Uh, the four, The two wheel can outrun the dog. So you leave it to the criminal. You know, the criminal may not do well in school and all that kind of business, but the good ones are not dumb. And there's a little gang now that's running around, and at least I know of yesterday from Crime Stoppers, uh, that rides dirt bikes, and the dirt bikes are stolen. And they're pretty significant getaway artists. And that, without a tip, for example, coming from a citizen who knew where to find one of these dudes, we never would have picked this one up. And he was a pretty bad guy. A habitual bad guy who has just taken life of crime as um, his professional life. And you have to remember how they see the world. It's not the way a normal citizen would see a world. When they get arrested, it becomes another job on their resume. And it actually helps them make rank in these gangs because they have been shown to be somebody who is able to take the wear and tear and continue to do the work. And so it's actually a status builder for them. I don't know the answer to this, except, you know, to throw the old uh, proverbial adage, 
lock them up and throw the key away. But that has become enormously expensive to warehouse human beings for 25, 30, 35 years. We've done away with the death penalty. Uh, we've got immigrant criminals pouring across the porous border. Uh, we've got a drug fentanyl issue combined with sex trafficking and uh, gangs again, all in cahoots running this uh, operation. So I've just got to tell you, friends, um, uh, I understand why we get about 45,000 looks a month, according to the fellows who in production who keep the data. That's what they tell me. I'm amazed by it, of people who are looking at these mugshots to find out if there's anything there they need to be wary about. And if you look at those mugshots, you'll see that um, very seldomly you have a brand new uh, arrival, if you will, to the lineup. Most of the time, uh, I've been my experience anyway, that uh, they're old timers. They're back again and again and again. And they expect to be back again and again and again. And of course, there's all this talk about, well, we shouldn't have shown these people because we stigmatize them and all that. Um, and it's racist and this and that, one or the other. As Jason Riley points out, the reason that there is a great number of minorities on the uh, mugshots is that they do a great deal of the crime. And that's said something by Jason Riley, who uh, can say it because he's a, he's a black guy. And uh, he says, it. you know, if you're complaining about it, uh, go back into the culture and reconstruct the family. And I'm really proud of the um, uh, uh, minorities. I don't like any of those words, black, all that stuff, who are pushing back against the city of Gainesville, against this uh, doing away with neighborhoods. You know, the biggest blow in my lifetime to the black neighborhood was performed by the federal government when it just swooped down and declared thou shalt be bust. And we broke up the community. We broke up the high schools, all in the name of equality. And of course, why would you want to go as a minority to a school where you're outnumbered out, uh, and become uh, equal, which you're not going to be? Because uh, inherently, um, the situation is such that the numbers you, you can't equal. I mean, there are greater numbers than you. That's just prima facie. And if you talk to the community builders of the black neighborhoods, one of the most severe impacts on them was the uh, advent of busing. And, you know, and, and taking kids out of their homes, out of their neighborhoods. You know, they'd been going to schools where their teachers had taught their mamas. And those teachers could, you know, discipline those kids. So we send these kids around all over the place, distribute them just arbitrarily. And then we ask everybody else to kowtow and accommodate their needs. And unfortunately, because of the fractured neighborhood and therefore the fractured home life, these kids are not entering these schools with the same skills because where do you get these uh, preparatory skills, you get them from the family, from your mother reading to you, uh, from a home with parents who are guiding you. And of course, we've done away with that. We've done, we've substituted the father with handouts from the government and the whole bit. Now, I've got to thank the uh, research team members, which is made up of, of you all out there who listen and watch this show on the various platforms. I'm told by production that we go out to about 37 different platforms and um, in various ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, we've got um, 
Spotify and, and uh, um, Apple Podcasts, all of these different things. And you can Google Awards God Files and it comes up right away. So there's no way you can hide from it. And so I've got a big research team out there, which is made up of you, the citizens. And I got this given to me uh, by a research team member who shall remain anonymous. But it's very interesting because it is a snapshot into the values, if you will, of the once upon a time school superintendent, Dr. Carly Simon. And it's really very revealing. Uh, this is a, this is a, a statement that is uh, out there uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these different places. And it has to do with something that uh, she claims that she founded uh, Families Deserve Inclusive Schools. Um, and what she's doing with this, if I've got this right and I've got this document in my hands and if I need to be corrected, please correct me. Um, Carly Simon evidently has founded a, a something called a uh, Families Deserve Inclusive Schools uh, to support school board and superintendent candidates who share the vision, inclusive, inclusive vision for public education. Now, that's a code word. You know, that means uh, uh, there's racism and therefore it needs to be addressed with inclusiveness. And inclusiveness suggests the absence and the emphasis of meritocracy, which is to emphasize quality rather than uh, equality. And uh, whoever thought it, Education was about equality. It's all about competitiveness and quality and excelling and notwithstanding any kind of uh, 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 support you may or may not have had, you still have your individual commitment to learning. Now, there's some interesting statements in here uh, right off the, the, uh, the bat, if you will. In our opening paragraph here, I want to quote from it and ask you if it makes any sense to you. Um, she says that uh, uh, last year she stood up to Governor DeSantis' anti-mask policy because it put our students, educators, and families in danger. And then she goes on to say, now listen to this statement, and I'll let you chew on it and figure what you think about it, those of you who are involved with uh, school board uh, interest in this race and where we're going with education. Her next sentence is, because I stood up to DeSantis, he replaced an elected school board member in Alachua County with one of his loyalists. Now, I got to tell you that that is, is incorrect. Now, you know, this bothers me a great deal. If this has been, you know, Joe Blow off the street or uh, Mary Jane from across the street and uh, your neighbor at the Knit One Pearl Two Club or something like that. Uh, bird watching society or something. I don't know. But this is a woman who was the school superintendent claiming in print here. I'm looking at it and I'm reading it saying because I stood up to DeSantis he replaced an elected school board member in Alachua County with one of his loyalists. Uh, I'm looking at the chat line here to see if you all are awake this morning and paying attention, students. Um, 
As a result, she suggests that therefore she founded Families Deserve Inclusive Schools. Um, and uh, um, she states here by Dr. Carly Simon, former school superintendent of Lotra County Public Schools and founder of Families Deserve Inclusive Schools. Now, um, I, I appreciate very much the member of the research team at society at large here who shall remain anonymous, who forwarded this to me and asked me point blank, what did I think about Simon's sentence where she says the school board member Dion McGraw was replaced because she, Carly Simon, stood up to DeSantis. DeSantis didn't even get involved until it was learned, not through any announcement by the supervisor of elections, by the way, and we're going to get into that because that's back in the news big time. Um, she claims, and it's patently wrong, it's patently false, but what troubles me about it is this is the superintendent of schools writing, and I'm going to say it, any idiotic statements like that. And not evidently thinking they're true. Why would you put that type of statement in public print when it's easily refuted? I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm just kind of uh, appreciative of the smoking gun here. I would never have run across this myself. I don't particularly um, know of or care about families deserve inclusive schools because it's antithetical to what I think about education. I think what it deserves uh, is an opportunity to have the best teachers challenge you and get you out of your comfort zone and then teach you how to get into a higher level of learning. Blake calls it a higher level of learning. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you that I was talking to a, a friend yesterday about one of the great track coaches who shall remain unnamed here at the University of Florida. And one day when I was in my uh, younger years and I was out running with the track club and running in the Florida relays, I trained on the track and I got to overhear a lot of the coaching that went on uh, with the coaches and some of their uh, uh, athletes that were not in events I wasn't in. And there was an athlete from the university throwing the javelin as I was circling on the track. I listened to the coach as he spoke to the javelin thrower and he asked the javelin thrower after he had thrown the javelin, Jimmy, how did that feel to you? And Jimmy replied, coach, it felt great. And the coach said, well, that's unfortunate because it was all wrong. You should have paid attention to what I was teaching you. And if you do what I'm teaching you for the, for the foreseeable future, it will be very uncomfortable to you because you'll be breaking down old bad habits. But we're going to replace those bad habits with good habits, but you're going to have to go through the painful reconstruction. So from now on, when I ask you how that throw felt, you should be saying, coach, it felt terrible, but the javelin went farther. Now, that really is the crux of education in so many ways, on the track or in the classroom. If you're listening to me, 
you will understand that you really thought you knew how to read, but you don't know how to read. For one thing, you don't know anything about the structure of the sentences. You don't know the four different types of sentences. You can't conjugate your infinitives beyond the perfect, uh, beyond the past tense. You can't conjugate any of the uh, um, present perfects or past perfects or future perfects or the progressive tenses. You don't know the difference between the active and the passive voice. And on and on and on. And you can't construct syllogisms. And you don't know major and minor premise. And you don't know the logical fallacies. You know, that's just basic stuff. But you think you do because you chatter with your friends all the time. And your friends are right, right at the same level of chatter as you are. And so you all, it's kind of blind leading the blind. Until somebody steps into the crowd and says, everything you're doing is all wrong. And this is what gets me about the so-called woke academics. They don't want to hear that. Once upon a time, liberal meant open-minded, teach me how to throw the javelin better. And it's, it's incredible that now, if teaching you how to throw the javelin better makes you uncomfortable, they don't want to learn how to throw the javelin better they think they're already throwing it well. And consequently, the whole track team is losing because on the other side of town, somebody is learning how to throw the javelin better. And that's the simple litmus test. So I, everything this woman has put into this document, I categorically disagree with. I mean, it makes no sense. And what she's doing with this she states in this document here is they're supporting all the candidates which are on this bus of inclusiveness all throughout the state. And of course, locally, guess who the superstar is for it? One Tina Serton, whom I, I think probably who's blasted me and Tim Martin publicly from the dais, um, which is okay. You know, I don't mind that. But, um, um, it, it makes no sense. I mean, so, you know, I, as I say, thank you very much to the research team member who sent me that document. It's very interesting. And I pass it along to you guys because you're going to be perhaps maybe voting, maybe not. I don't know. But it seems as if not a, a large number of people will be voting in the uh, uh, school board races because, you know, the, the line has been drawn in the sand. And either you're going to have education emphasize quality or you're going to have education, education emphasize inclusiveness and the hell with quality. So we'll see how that works out. Um, the other interesting, very interesting, since this is the story that originated with the Ward Scott Files, and our data investigator instigator is that the it's heating up this thing about uh, these prisoners in the jail uh, signing up to vote after T.J. Pichet went in there and said, God only knows what he said to him. But we know what the official position is that he just said, here's a clipboard, sign your name. It's your business whether you can vote or not. That's being more and more refuted by the people who got entrapped by this. Um, it, you know, it's kind of like a perjury entrapment. Uh, 
you go in and give the guys the rope to hang themselves with is what this boils down to. And now comes before the circuit court of the eighth judicial circuit in and for Alachua County, Florida, uh, a uh, motion by Arthur Lang. Arthur Lang is one of the hapless souls who was in the jail when T.J. Pichet came along and said, here, sign on the dotted line and uh, vote, and we'll let the chips fall where they may later. Uh, of course, this we know was all uh, supercharged by Zuckerbucks and all that behind the scenes. But now, uh, the, uh, uh, the, some of these guys are waking up. And, and, you know, for all the black activists out there in this community and elsewhere, now's the time to really get involved. I, you know, I can't emphasize this enough. These eight out of 10 of these guys are black. Um, and, and a lot of them are, if not illiterate, semi-literate. And they're criminals and they are in the jug. Now, let's set the, set the picture here. They're doing the time and in comes unsolicited by them a representative from the state. The supervisor of elections, in this case, Pichet, with a clipboard signing you up. Now, the position of the state when asked is that, well, they did it voluntarily. The position more and more by the signees is that we were misled and, and, and led to believe that we could do this. And now they're waking up when they're realizing, hey, this is some heavy duty stuff. We're getting we're stacking time here on top of time. And so for these community activists in this and in and around here who are complaining about, oh, this and that with a jail or this or that. Here is a time to pile on. And I would think they would be interested in this. Here is here is the motion to withdraw on June 14th. Uh, he, th this fellow previously didn't know, obviously, what was going on. And in order to get this to go away, I'm kind of paraphrasing for you now. Um, he said, oh, yeah, OK, I'll I'll uh, I'll take a deal and I'll I'll do the time. And yeah, I I did vote and this and that. Well, now he it's he kind of come to his senses and he says he wants to uh, uh, withdraw this deal because his plea was involuntary. I'm reading from the document involuntary and based on ineffective assistance uh, in failing to advise the movement, the movement, and that's Arthur Lang of the availability of viable defense to the charge of voter B. So what he's saying is, you told me I was, I was okay. And I followed your directions, but now I find out I'm not okay. And I thought I had no choice, so I tried to make it go away by agreeing to the plea offered to me by the state attorney. And there's a lot of story here, buddy. The state attorney has, without any examination, are waiting on hearing these guys' rebuttals, exonerated the supervisor elections. I mean, can you figure that? I can't figure that. How can the state attorney exonerate the supervisor elections before we've heard from the guys who were in the jug? Interesting? I think it's very interesting. Here's what he says, furthermore, and he's had some help with this, I assure you. 
Had counsel advised Moven that following the directives of the supervisor of elections on how to, quote unquote, properly fill out the application and registration, which were personally provided to movement, as well as other inmates housed in the Elachua County Jail, was a viable defense, movement would not have entered into a plea agreement, but he would have insisted on going to trial. So what this guy now wants to do is hold on, wait a minute. I'm beginning to see what you did to me. And I was advised, this is further interesting, I was advised by the state to just let this go away by agreeing to this, and you're already in the jug, you're already a criminal, so we'll let you put this time together with it, you know, whatever the details of it were, we know, I just don't have it on top of my head. And so he agreed to it, and then he realized, well, why did I do that? I mean, they didn't give me any counsel, Uh I want to go to trial and let the public hear my side of the story. I'm all for the guy. I don't know whether the judge will uh, withdraw Arthur Lang's uh, motion to withdraw his plea or not. That's kind of up to what kind of public pressure you all out there mount on. Particularly, these minority activists ought to be piling in on this. Well, I don't want to say it that way because then they'll think I'm encouraging something. I'm interested in the fact that they have it. I don't want to say they should be because then all of a sudden I'm, I'm on. No, I'm not. I'm saying it's interesting. Let's rephrase it and say it that way. It's interesting that they go out and pile on a lot of subjects, you know, like police brutality and this and that, which has been in the news. But they haven't piled on this. And this is a real issue. Did the state mislead these people? Well, here's a guy who said, whoa, I want to have my day in court to testify that they did. Now, if he gets his day in court and the jury hears it and agrees that they did, I've been asked, does that change the exoneration of the supervisor of elections? And does it cast any aspersions on the state attorney? Well, stay tuned. I don't know the answer to those things. So what Arthur Lang is asking, and we'll read the sentence, the court should permit the withdrawal of the plea due to the unusual circumstances in this case where movement was actually advised and instructed by agents of the Secretary of State of Florida to fill out the registration. I don't think there's any dispute over that. They did, they did the SOE, supervised election, did advise and instruct them to fill it out. What the SOE is going to use as a defense is I just told them where the sign on the dotted line. You know, I didn't tell them anything else. You know, I mean, what, could I, what else could I tell them? That's going to be their defense. The same thing they did with Dion McGraw. Um, I don't, I don't uh, have any responsibility for Dion McGraw trying to run out of district. Hey, she filled out the paperwork. But you have to remember now, there's a little difference here, that that uh, she filled out the paperwork, but um, she was of her own volition. Let's put it that way. 
She filled out the paperwork of her own will and volition. She went looking for the supervisor. The supervisor didn't come looking for her. Here, in this case of Arthur Lang and the other 10 people, the supervisor came looking for these guys, which also leads to a whole bunch of questions. What were you trying to accomplish? You know, what were you really? Was it all that altruistic? Or was it naive? I don't see how you can get away with claiming see no evil, hear no evil, no. I just don't see how you can do it. But maybe you can. So I want to be clear that I'm saying it's interesting that the black activists have not picked up on this. I'm, I'm not saying they should, because then I'm going to be one of the guys who, oh, man, you know, you told them to do it. No, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm saying it's interesting. Do they know about this? Do they, do they understand it? Uh, maybe. Maybe they should. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I think it's very interesting. I don't have, I have the document. I may put it on a war top bulletin board. Um, we may move it along out there because I can tell you right now, a lot of people are going to war top bulletin board to see these documents, not only about the uh, jailhouse arrests, but also about the Grotos Bossart deal. And um, all that rubber is going to meet the road pretty soon, too, because there's some curious behavior many people have asked me about, and I can't explain it, by the state attorney and that. Why would the state attorney turn a civil argument, which has started out over commissions, okay? Why? And, and everybody I've talked to in the real estate business or who's talked to me thinks the trade secret thing is a hoax. You know, that's a far-fetched idea. But why did you uh, turn a civil discussion, argument, disagreement over commissions into a criminal theft of trade secrets? And when I watched the behavior of the state attorney's office in Judge Kolal's uh, court, I got to tell you, they were cavalier. Hey, you know, they're guilty, really, is what they were saying. And we've said, we've, we've said to them what these trade secrets, you, you, they couldn't figure out what the trade, I don't, the state attorney doesn't know what the trade secrets are. I mean, judging from what I saw in the court. So more, more than passing strange, my friends. So um, uh, uh, I'm going to get back in a minute. Uh, I want to talk about some more things that are being uh, noticed now nationwide uh, about what we're doing here uh, with this case. And it's beginning to really pick up steam. It has now made the epoch. Some people say epoch, others say epoch times. Uh, it's made ProPublica. It has been out on Breitbart. Um, people are starting to notice that there's something, there really is something going on here in uh, Alachua County that is probably going on similarly in else, other parts of the state that have to do with poor voter accountability by the supervisors of elections. I think that case can be made very quickly and easily. Poor supervision of who can, should, or legally can vote. 
And the most glaring example of this, and the big bulk of them are just getting ready to be made public, are the numbers of sex offenders who vote. And there is no excuse for that. Sex offenders are in all sorts of data banks, easy to find. Why can't the supervisor? I guess the supervisor is going to take the position that this is all on the honor system. We're not going to ask you if you're a sex offender when you register. And guess what? The votes count. And I'm going to tell you, locally, some of these elections are decided by just a few. This Gillum thing with the Sanus was decided statistically by very, very few. And so this adds up. This adds up. When I get back from the bottom of the hour break, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Ward Scott on the Ward Scott Files. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Do the weather here. Thanks to uh, Lewis Oil, who's a supporter of the Ward Scott Files. We appreciate all the supporters and all the donations. Uh, we can get to help make a uh, best show possible for you. 
Uh, well, we're still in the throes of a lot of heat. It's going to feel once again today like 101 degrees, uh, even though it may be as low as 93. It's still with the humidity and uh, the, the conditions without any rain, unless you get uh, under a thunder boomer, uh, you're going to have a lot of warm, warm temperature. And uh, even going to be hot in the shade, in the mid-80s in the shade, shade really doesn't bring much relief unless there's the wind. And there's very little wind. It's only at, right now east-northeast at one mile an hour. Humidity is up at 95%, which is uh, not a comfortable uh, level. Um, the uh, national news is stressing for many people. Uh, there's an intense heat wave in the northeast. And uh, now, following all that rain in Kentucky, uh, the heat has settled into that area and has really brought a lot of misery to that Appalachian part of Kentucky in uh, eastern Kentucky following uh, this historic flooding. That Appalachian world in eastern Kentucky is very interesting, and there's a lot of um, history to that area having uh, problems with floods and weather patterns and all that. Um, so it's, um, meanwhile, in the Midwest, we'll still have the possibility of big thunderstorms coming through. And in the Northeast, there's a, 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 a spike in the forecast for heat. So it's, um, it's, it's really a, it's a, not very comfortable anywhere in the country right now. Unfortunately, once again, I'm looking at the news here where there was a two-year-old who died in a hot car. That is the 13th child in 2022 who has died in a hot car. Boy, you want to get on my bad side and you stay on my bad side. You don't ever get off my bad side. You abuse children. And that is one of the thoughtless, stupid things that happens. Um, it is it is is amazing, amazing to me that this this happens. I, you know, I'm of the mind and, but, you know, of course, you know me. Hey, if you're a parent and we find your child locked in that car, we, we save that child and we take that child away from you. Somebody else needs to take care of that child because you're not taking care of that child anywhere, shape or form, or you would never do that. You wouldn't even do it to your household pet. And I've seen that done as well. Um, it is amazing. Uh, when I get inside my manly four by four, uh, the temperature in that truck is well over 100 degrees. And first thing I do is button down all the windows turn that AC up and it takes a while to cool her down. And, and, you know, there's not that much shade around to park in. These parking lots are out in the miserable kind of asphalt underneath and sun above and other warm metal around it. Uh, it is absolutely unthinkable that anything that has to breathe would be left in those automobiles or vehicles for any time whatsoever. So that's my sales pitch today. I am very, very, much into dealing summarily, swiftly, and, and harshly with anybody who abuses children. That is really getting on the fighting side of me, as Merle Haggard said. I think it was Merle who said it. Well, I want to continue this discussion so that you'll be educated about uh, how this story that we started here with uh, in uh, this area has been picked up by the nation. The Epoch Times is... Uh, has now written about it. As I said, there have been several other outlets we've shared with you. West TV in, in Central Florida has run a couple of stories on it. 
But I want to read to you, and I don't like to read to people generally because it's not the most effective use of the human voice sometimes. But I want to animate the reading with an explanation as I go along and why I'm reading it. Um, this uh, is written by uh, a, a writer named Darlene McCormick Sanchez. And um, I know that she spoke with our investigator for about a half an hour. So she's darn good if in a half an hour she gets it all straight because there are people right now who still don't have it straight. But what she's written here, uh, and she's called Derry Lloyd, she's called the state attorney's office. She's done her work, uh, her homework before she's written this. But uh, let's pick up with this. Uh, so far, 10 of the initial 34 inmates identified by Glazier have been charged with voter beep in connection with the 2020 jail registration drive. Now, uh, you know about Barton and T.J. Pichet. He uh, was the director of the Outreach of the Elections Office. He resigned suddenly in 2021 when all this broke, and he took the Fifth Amendment. So Glazier, in this article, is alleging that the officials facilitated illegal voter registration of convicted felons at the jail. I don't believe there's any question about that because how good the verb is, facilitated. Facilitated means you provided the opportunity, okay? A facility is a facility where you can go and have a meeting, right? So you facilitate. You provided this opportunity. You provided this, this system. You, the supervisor. Now, the, uh, uh, the, 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 and then the, the writer goes on to say that the FDLE Department of Florida uh, Law Enforcement criticized the election. You remember this, criticized the elections office for this jailhouse registration drive, but did not press charges. Pressing charges is the job, by the way, of the state attorney who exonerated them even after the FDLE report showed a haphazard, I'm quoting now, showed a haphazard registration of inmates and could compromise the integrity of the Florida voter registration system. I don't know how much more clearly that could be written. And the report showed, now this is Epoch Times has gone out all over the country and there's about a hundred or so last time I looked of comments about this from all over the nation. Okay, so it's out there now. The report showed that the Alachua County Election Office conducted its voter registration. Here's an interesting sentence. Voter registration drive differently than other third party organizations. And this is the nitty gritty. Then elections officer outreach director, Psyche, Pise, they got it spelled wrong here. She got it corrected. Pise, she got it for different cult name to get right. Pichet would arrange visit, would arrange visits to each of the jail's housing units, including units with medium maximum security inmates. Now, Barton, who was outreach director for some 10 years before being elected in 2017, boy, this is interesting. When Epoch Times asked them, she said she would only leave educational materials and paperwork at the front desk to be posted throughout the facility. You see, 
she is already separating herself from T.J. Pichet, who has already taken the fifth. So if this hapless old Lang, who wants to now have a trial, puts T.J. Pichet on the, on the hot seat, he's going to take the fifth. The investigation found that Barton was aware of Pichet's methods and did not fault his conduct nor advise him to make adjustments. So there is an opening, if it can be discussed in the courtroom in front of a jury, that suggests uh, being complicit. And uh, the treatment of this by this McCormick writer is pretty good. Um, Glazier, a semi-retired computer programmer, told the Epoch Times he spent his time and money investigating potential corruption in Alachua County and across the state because no one else seemed interested. And that is true. That's true. We've been, we've been doing this. And he says, I had the time, I had the skill set, I had the track record. And he particularly calls out, and we've been talking about this, he and I, he blames former Florida Secretary of State, Laurel Lee, a Republican now running for Congress, for not standing strong for election integrity. You know, Lloyd Bailey has an article in the Logical Chronicle today, much of which I agree with. You know, he, he takes the position that the Republicans are not any better than the Democrats. I mean, you think the Republicans would be all over this. You think they'd be all over it. I mean, it's being done to them. Now, he, Mark, furthermore, says, if they can't find this low-hanging fruit, what can they find? Um, and Terry Martin back is saying they haven't cleaned rotor rolls in years. Yes, Terry, that's another issue here. Uh, but it's also compounded this time, as this article points out, that the Supervisor of Elections Office had received a $707,000 grant. And we reported on this, and we shared it with you very early from the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which was a Chicago nonprofit funded by, guess who, Mark Zuckerberg, who started Facebook and who censors us if we question if we use the F word, that's why I say voter beep. If I use the F word, then they censor us. So um, there you are. Now, using his computer skills, Glazer has tagged, and this is yet to come. This is still just starting to roll out. Some 2,000 sex offenders so far on the voter rolls with right now apparently 500 casting votes. And it's big, and it's getting legs, and it's going to get bigger. Let me tell you something, friends. It's taken a lot of energy, a lot of persistence to get this thing out of the garage, so to speak, so everybody could see it, what was going on. Um, now the world is starting to pay attention and starting to wonder how much more of this is there. Um, it is really uh, a quite, quite a story. I mean, nobody knows. I mean, listen, I am absolutely sure, Mark and I both, that had he not stumbled across this, probably 
T.J. Pichet never, ever, ever, and Barton as well, ever thought anybody would ever check this. And as Terry Martin back said, just now on the chat line here, the voter rolls haven't been looked at for years. Um, it, it, it is a, um, here he's saying he has two people registered at his address showing active who haven't lived there in 15 years. And one of them is a convicted felon. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Terry was a guest on the show talking about neighborhoods a while back. So unless you, unless the wheel gets squeaky, nothing happens. Okay. So one of the purposes of this show is to arm you with things to help make things happen. It's up to you again. You know, you have to vote for whom you want to vote for and what race you want to participate in, et cetera, et cetera. So this is just a classroom. This is the professor presenting material for you to think about, to write about, uh, to research further on your own, and to criticize or disagree with. But it's going to be pretty hard to disagree with it because we come with the documents. Um, uh, we, don't, we don't come with conjecture unless for some reason I take time out and say, well, it's my opinion and my opinion right now. And you classify it as that and take, take it as, as for what it's worth. Um, anyway, there we are. It is so interesting. What a long tail our cat has. There's another story which I'm privy to because of a great supporter of this show who shall remain unnamed, who donates regularly to this show, who is a member, if you will, of the research team and uh, has sent me uh, a publication that was written by Sam Faddis in uh, a national security commentary magazine called AMB. Um, this, this is uh, pretty interesting and it's uh, written from inside the security world, uh, read mostly by guys who've been in law enforcement or some way, shape or form involved with some type of security. And it is now, I don't know if it's going to get out. I, I, you know, I asked Ted Yoho yesterday if we ever thought uh, Hillary Clinton would be brought to justice. I, I say no. I, I think that she's going to get away scot-free. But you wonder about this guy, um, uh, Joe Biden's kid, Hunter Biden. This this uh, report I've been given by one of the uh, listeners and uh, and, and uh, uh, people who are who is a, a supporter of the show. This laptop is filled with evidence. Uh, according to this security document published in this security magazine of what appears to be a worldwide operation by the Biden family to cash in on Joe Biden's positions. Now, he was Joe Biden was first a U.S. senator and then he was a vice president. And according to this article written by security people to security people, this uh, is also this computer filled with evidence that suggests very strongly that Joe Biden is pretty much bought and paid for by Beijing, China, Beijing, China. Um, a Senate report states that Hunter Biden was involved in millions of dollars worth of questionable transactions with Chinese nationals going back to at least 2009. And these Chinese nationals were not simply businessmen. 
a great many of them had direct connections to the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese military. And Biden's dealings, for example, uh, illustrate on this computer that he had robust relationships with China's military units and the guy with whom he was dealing, uh, Ye Jingaming. I don't know if I can say that right. I'm sure Ted Yoho could say it right. And uh, this guy had, you know, connections with all these people that really are our enemies. Um, so the uh, uh, this this is absolutely flying contrary uh, to uh, what you would think of is our security systems of the CIA and the Department of State. And it's absolutely, if so, if true, one of the ticking time bombs that may or may not, given how political life is, get dealt with. Um, it's going to take somebody like the Ward Scott Files with these examples of voter bait that I've been sharing with you to take this on, to really push it and keep it out until it can be looked at responsibly. Um, the Chinese gave millions, there's no question, to Hunter Biden, and that the money did not stay with him. The evidence is now overwhelming that much, perhaps even most, of it was passed on to other members of the Biden family, including Joe. Um, the Senate committee has said that the financial ties between Hunter Biden, his family, and the Chinese nationals don't just raise, it's a quote, don't just raise conflicts of interest concerns. They raise criminal, financial, counterintelligence, and extortion concerns. Now, meanwhile, we've got this January 6th thing on Trump. We've got nothing on Hunter Biden. Okay? And we know that the press has kept this suppressed. Now, Rudy Giuliani, they've been trying to give him a bad name. You know, he's the former mayor of New York city. Uh, he said what Hunter Biden was, was a bag man. And Giuliani said he's prosecuted many cases like this. He was collecting Joe's bribes that come to about 12 million from the Ukraine, from Ukraine and 3.5 million from Russia. But the really big money was coming from China. And the amount of money involved is literally in the tens of millions of dollars. Um, there you are. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, will it be supported, investigated? I, I, I don't know. But once again, it seems like this is struggling to make itself heard. Uh, this is not a widely publicized, I don't think, document that I'm reading because I don't think this particular magazine in which it's printed is necessarily out on the newsstand, if you know what I mean. So uh, uh, there have been people who, uh, have been aware of this, but you know, haven't been coming forward. So um, that that is a very interesting proposition, a very interesting story. I don't know if it will get developed, to get legs, as we say, but we hear more and more about it. Uh, there are more and more uh, pieces of uh, supporting material coming from various and sundry places um, that makes it um, kind of possibly uh, getting um, some sort of um, expanded concern. I'm being conservative here in how I'm saying this. Uh, I want to conclude by saying that you can now vote. Uh, you can now be a city official 
in Los Angeles and not be a citizen. Isn't it crazy? But that's the way it works in Los Angeles, California. Yes, it's not. I'm not, I'm not making it up. Paul Boyce has covered this. Last week, uh, the uh, Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors voted in unanimously to allow non-citizens to work in government positions, provided the position does not conflict with state or federal law. I don't know how that works. People will still be required to prove uh, citizenship to work for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Um, But here's the reasoning these Californians have come to. Los Angeles County is a community of immigrants from each corner of the world. And while our county government workforce reflects the community it represents, there's room for improvement. Boy, that's all gobbledygook. So this motion seeks to make clear that the county, one of the largest employers in the region, here comes comes the key words. Are you ready? Strives to be, are you ready? And inclusive and diverse workforce. And is committed to not excluding nor allowing citizenship to be a barrier to employment. No wonder we ain't got nobody working. The government's actually paying our citizens not to work. There are 880,000 non-citizens living in Los Angeles. This is all being done under the umbrella of barriers to employment are based on cultural, racial, ethnic, and religious characteristics contrary to our core values. Hey, an immigrant's experience will advance our vision, mission, and values. More gobbledygook, gobbledygook. I don't know if you buy all that, but you know, California is a weird place by my frame of reference. Now, there are some beautiful people there. You go out in Muscle Strut, Santa Monica, to Muscle Beach and all that, you'll see some fantastically beautiful people. Although that Pacific Ocean's cold and it's not nearly as nice as our uh, uh, beaches here in Florida. There's still, I got, I got to tell you, there are some beautiful people in California. I don't know if they got anything upstairs, but they are nice looking people. Well, there it is for today. Uh, the Ward Scott Files, we thank you very much for tuning in. I want you to have a great day today, and we'll be back as soon as we can, hopefully with a lot of good information for you. Warthog Command Center out.